This is The Other 14 Podcast. And welcome to The Other 14 Podcast. This is the only podcast that forgets about the big six and focuses only on the other 14. Today, episode one is our jumbo preview special of the 22-23 season, as we look at each team of the other 14, discuss their transfers and their potential prospects for the season going forward. Let's get straight to it. We are joined by Tom. Hello. We'll be discussing how we think each team will fare this season and what work they still have to do in this transfer window with just a couple of weeks left. Hello, Tom. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, Reese. How are you? Yeah, very good. Are you looking forward to the Premier League season? Mate, we are literally just over 24 hours away from Palace Arsenal and I cannot wait. The Premier League is back. So we'll be going through each team one by one through the other 14 as we talk about how we think they're going to do this season. So we'll go alphabetically. Let's start off with AFC Bournemouth. They were promoted from the Championship last season with a fairly good season under Scott Parker with uh, coming through what some call the most challenging league in the world. So, Tom, how do you reckon they'll do this season? Uh, poorly. Wow, that is very to the point. Um, I I mean, if you if you look at what they've done so far, I, I just... I, I, I can't see anything but relegation for them, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a similar case for Bournemouth as, you know, similar to what Fulham, although we haven't, I, I think Fulham will be better, but we'll get onto that later. Um, Bournemouth, I think, with how strong I think the other teams are going to be, I think I can only see relegation for them, unfortunately. So with a team the size of Bournemouth, um, just in terms of their size of club, I do think they did an exceptionally good job of staying up in the Premier League for a couple of seasons. Um but they were always always tipped to be the next team to be relegated. And I think Eddie Howe did a fantastic job with keeping Eddie them up. Eddie Howe did an amazing job, yeah. Um, but I think you also got to look at, even though I do think Scott Parker is a good manager, he hasn't kept the team up yet. I think that's a little harsh on him because he was given I know a, a fairly harsh, dreadful... I'm just, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just saying that I, I, just, I, can't, I can't see it happening for Bournemouth. Um, I, I don't think they've develop the squad enough for the Premier League. So if we do look into that, so they did have a championship squad because they were in the championship. They did do well, promoted as second place team. Looking at who they've bought in, so they bought in Marcus Tavernier. I don't know much about him. I also don't know much about Joe Rothwell either in the centre of the park. But Ryan Fredericks has been at West Ham for quite some time. Is certainly a Premier League squad player. Is that not deemed a good addition? It's a good addition, and he'll certainly bring Premier League experience. Um, but I, I think you, you, it's a long campaign. Certain injuries might come into play. I don't know what Frederick's injury history might be like. Um, it is not good. He oh um, well, there we go then. He is known to get some injuries. That's what you get with those faster sprint players, that they do typically pick up more injuries. He, I think, at this point of recording, I think he may be injured and may not even be starting their first game of the season. Classic. So I do. Th- I completely agree with you, though. I do think they'll struggle. Um, in terms of additions in the transfer window, 
I would probably guess that they might need to add a striker to their team because they don't well, really have a striker that is proven to be in the Premier League. No, because you say that and their main strike force at the moment, well, their leader on the front line is Dominic Solanke, um, who has a combined uh, Premier League scoring total of four goals from 53 appearances. Wow. Obviously, when uh, they... He's got, he, did, he did score 29 goals in the Championship last year and played all 46 games, but... That is a very good record. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll go on to Mitrovic, but it does seem like he's of that style a, where yeah. hammer goals in, I, in the Championship. I, I think he's a Championship striker. Um, obviously, I will, for, for the benefit of the tape, um, I am a Liverpool supporter, but... Um, from what I've known from Dominic Solanke when he during his time at Liverpool, um, yeah, uh, he's, he's lacking a certain ed- edge uh, in the Premier League level, and that is where Bournemouth were very successful. And what kept them up in the Premier League last time is they did have the goals from Josh King and Callum Wilson, and they yeah. fired them and kept them up. They were so consistent. One of them was typically always on form and getting those goals, exactly. and I think it might be a bit of an ask. So the thing is, I don't really see there being a striker that you can go straight away, yes, take him into Bournemouth now and he'll be a success. Other than Dennis is still an available option from Watford. He hasn't found a new club. He scored a good amount um, last season. You've still got the likes of Ishmael Saar, who went down with Watford as well, who is available. And then... Once again, another cha- good championship striker who not didn't necessarily convert his form into Premier League form. His team, Upuki, relegated yeah. with Norwich. Yeah. He can score goals. He can score goals at the Premier League level. I think that would be a very shrewd sign. And um, whether or not you can tempt him away from Norwich, but money talks at the end of the day. And it's Premier League. So who knows? You are right. Norfolk is a fantastic county and Norwich is a fantastic city. I'm not sure why he would ever want to move away from there. Looking at Bournemouth's first three fixtures, they don't exactly have the easiest start back into the uh, Premier League life with uh, Villa followed by City and Arsenal. Um, no, I, I think they've been drawn a pretty tough start back to life in the Premier League. Um, but they are at home to Villa. Um, the vitality should be bouncing with all their 12,000 supporters inside. Um, but then they have City and Arsenal, and I, I can only see with a rejuvenated Arsenal with the signings that they've made and City being City, for them to probably hoping for probably a maximum of three points at that start. I think that would be good for them. But you never know, there might be a surprise result in there, and we're always hoping for surprise fixtures against those big six on this yeah. podcast. Exactly. Anyway, speaking of Villa and their start at the Vitality... We're moving on to them next with Steven Gerrard in charge. What do you reckon to their chances this season? They were hovering around mid-table last season and I'm sure a lot of fans will be looking for them to progress and maybe push for those final few European spaces. Yep. Um, big expectation for Villa this year. You know, I, Dean Smith getting sat earlier on in the season, Steven Gerrard coming in. He gave them that little sort of boost um, during his first few games, but then it sort of seemed to sort of tail away a little bit. So... First full season under Gerard, I think he's expecting a lot. Big coup bringing Coutinho in. I think that is a really good signing. Um, but again, I think probably a little bit more mid-table obscurity. Um, I think it's probably as much as they can probably hope for this year. I think that's 
not an unfair assumption. I think Gerard has identified that they were perhaps a little bit weak at the back. Um, interesting that he's taken captaincy away from Mings and given it to McGinn for this season. And then he has brought in Diego Carlos from Sevilla, which was a hefty fee paid for him. So I can only assume that Mings probably out and Carlos in, and we'll see how that goes for them. Going on back onto Coutinho... Is he that much of a coup? I may be controversial here, but last season I thought he was only he was good, but I, he wasn't electric. He he's a player that I think the fans can get behind. Um, he's a bit of a, he can be a bit of a talisman again, ex Liverpool player, so I know his sort of history. And before he became a bit of a snake, um, we loved him. So I think they have an absolute fantastic player in Coutinho. He had a bit of a harsh time in, in Barcelona, had a lot of very cruel, I think, or very harsh sort of criticism about his, his play. Um, especially when you're in the shadows of Messi, it's very difficult. But I, I think him at a club now where he can get the fans behind him, he's got Steven Gerrard as his boss, he knows him very well. I think that's just a good mix for him. And um, I think you can expect good things out of him this year. Nice. Uh- their form did trail off a bit at the end of the season, end of last season, as you said. Is that worrying, or do you think they kind of hit that mark where they knew they were going to be safe? There were plenty of other teams below them that were poor, and they were pretty much on the beach quite early on, so didn't yeah, have to worry I, I, too I, much. Yeah, that's one. Yeah, mid-table, and that's probably what was the case at the time. You know, I think there was still not, I think, mathematically safe. Um, sort of too early in the season so there was still a little bit of work to do but there were I think with the teams that were below them in terms of like the Watfords um, etc Norwich um, there was always going to be the case that they were I think they were, they knew they were safe so they probably took their foot a little bit off the gas but for me I think they've got great attacking options Ings if he stays fit um, big season for Ollie Watkins I think and if Coutinho gets firing that's all good stuff like you said earlier on I think their biggest problem is at the back and yeah, they have made a fairly hefty addition there. With them having spent around about fifty million so far this season, do you think that they can spend much more? I know that last well, last summer they spent um, pretty much most of the Jack Grealish money that they received from City. Do you think the purse strings will stretch for another couple of signings, or do you think Gerard could be quite happy with the business that he's done so far? I think he probably could be happy, but I, I still think there's all the options for a couple more players to come in especially sort of down down the, uh, at the back McGinn in the midfield I know he's just been made the captain uh, and he is a bit of a leader he's got good um, sort of history with the Scotland squad and how they've progressed over the last couple of years but whether or not he plays most games I, I'm, I'm not sure so maybe a couple more options in the midfield but I think a lot goes to be said with the Gerard factor so there are always going to be options I think for Villa to come in hmm. And yeah, I do think their squad is quite strong. And last season, obviously, they had the great breakthrough with uh, Jacob Ramsey as well, which he he was pretty, pretty good. Okay, and then their first three fixtures, as we've covered, they're going to the Vitality initially. And to be honest, they couldn't wish for three better fixtures, going to Bournemouth, then Everton, then Palace, in terms of established Premier League teams, but not looking as strong. Everton is one that they surely can think they'll be able to get a result out of. Yeah, Stephen will be loving that start, I think. You know, if he can get a result at Bournemouth, which I think they're probably favourite for, even though they are away, and then Everton, who have got a huge amount of pressure on them this year to perform. Um, I think 
and Villa can look at least to be taking six points from that start. And to be honest, I'd find it hard to disagree with you at this point. And now moving on to Brentford. They finished 13th last season, which was a very impressive first season for Thomas Frank's men. Fired through that season with Ivan Tony. They did introduce Ericsson in January, who was quite phenomenal for them. He has unfortunately moved on to one of the big six teams. But this season, do you think they can expect more of the same from Frank and his men? Yeah, I think, you know, they spent wisely. Um, they've looked to sort of strengthen in areas that they were weak. Uh, ben Mee at the back, I think, is very good. Um, I think, you know, there was a lot to be said about the uh, community ground last year um, in terms of its atmosphere. New ground for them. I think, um, especially when, we, when Liverpool went there last year, three-all draw, it was a banging atmosphere. Um, I think they can definitely have more results like that going on throughout the season. I can see a, a solid season from Brentford, although there's always to be something to be said about second season syndrome. And I, I think I completely agree with you. I think Ben Mee, his Premier League experience, obviously Burnley did get relegated last season with him as player and then bit part coach I think is a fair thing to say yeah um, but otherwise years of Premier League experience under Sean Dyche knows how to stay in the Premier League and I think has will really help solidify them at the back um, the additions of Keen Lewis Potter and Aaron Hickey they were both quite favoured from a lot of Premier League teams um, I know that quite a few teams were in talks with Hull for Lewis Potter and 17 million although he's a championship player I think that is good money because he hopefully will be a good player for them. Obviously, comparisons with Jared Bowen moving to a Premier League team. Bowen moved from Championship team Hull to Premier League team West Ham and now in the England squad. I think Brentford would be over the moon if they even got half of that out of uh, Lewis Potter. Aaron Hickey, once again, talked to a number of Premier League clubs is my understanding chased also by Arsenal. I'm not sure why they need another Scottish left-back. But once again, £14 million, that's really good money in these days, particularly with the money Brentford would have earned by finishing 13th last season. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Big money for them, um, especially considering the rise that they've had in the last couple of years. Fantastic uh, introduction uh, to the Premier League football. Yeah, and their big miss will be Christian Eriksen. I'm pretty sure of it. Their first three fixtures, though, Leicester... Man U, Fulham, not the most three unkind fixtures. No, no, not at all. Um, I think a lot needs to be said about Leicester, but again, we'll get on to that. Um, Manchester United, again, a lot needs to be said about that team. Um, and Fulham, newly promoted, but three weeks into the season, could be, depending on the start, looking really strong. So I, I think it could be a bit of a mixed bag with that start. Um but I, I can definitely see at least one result um, for Brentford there. Yeah, and I think my overall opinion is if Ivan Tony's scoring, Brentford will have a fair chance of staying up. I think yeah. 13th was a very good start for them in or around that position for this season, I think is quite realistic for them at this point. Yeah, um, support surprising that um, considering his sort of attitude towards Brentford in certain social media posts that he made last year. Um, that he's still at the club, but there's obviously some form of agreement that he's still in and around. Um, they obviously see him as the main man to lead that front line. Um, so if he can sort of put that behind him and just lead the line again, like he as well as he did last year, then um, I think that's that can only be good news for Brentford. Okay, now moving on to 
ninth place finishers from last season, Brighton Hove Albion. What can you say? Ninth with Brighton? That is for some fantastic work from Graham Potter last season. And moving into this year, you can only think that Brighton will be able to replicate some strong form again. They were a team that nobody really liked playing last season. No, no. Um, had a really couple of tough fixtures against Brighton last year. They performed out of their skin um, last year. I mean, we were even sort of thinking sort of last year when they started, you know, they were up to, what was it, like fifth or sixth? They were sort of well set in the European places after about sort of 10, 15 games. Then, yeah, it, it tailed away as it was to be expected. But I think what they did last year was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, phenomenal. Graham Potter really, really raced him as a coach. I think we can expect similar things. The only trouble that I think could see on the horizon for Brighton this year, if one of the sort of higher teams... Um, even in the sort of more higher rated for, uh, other 14, um, if this, the managerial sort of sacks starts, even in the sort of bigger clubs, Graham Potter's name is always likely going to be mentioned. That's one thing I think should be looking out for for Brighton this year. But if everything sort of stays the status quo, then I think they can have a really promising season. I agree with you there. His name is always thrown about when there is a vacancy. It would take a lot, I think, to take him away from Brighton at this point. It would have to be a team that is up there and competing for more. But I think he seems quite happy at Brighton and he's done a fantastic job there. Um, Obviously, bringing in last season some good players on a very tight budget there. Had some reasonable success from the likes of Adam Lallana and Danny Welbeck, who a lot of people thought maybe a little bit past it in terms of did play at a high, well, not a high level, but at bigger clubs but they've gone to Brighton really settled in and played well obviously in terms of transfers they did lose Basuma this window but a good amount of money 26 million for Basuma to Spurs um they have made some additions not really players that I've ever heard of but once again that seems to be the Brighton model bring in players slightly cheaper don't go mad on the money front and convert them into really good strong Premier League players yeah, I, I completely agree. And Graham Potter with his links uh, to, was it Ostersons that he was manager of? Uh, the Baltic link, you know, uh, they've brought in um, Simon Adingra from Norgeland. Um, got a good st- scout set there, pretty pretty much. He knows that um, that area very well. Um, so, yeah, I think they've made good signings. The thing I would say about Lalana is his injury front, um, his injury history, whether or not he can keep, keep him fit. If you do keep him fit, his technical ability is second to none as far as I'm concerned. You know, he's a fantastic player. If Welbeck can get scoring, if they can keep hold of Couturella, there's a lot of links with City and Chelsea at the moment and a lot is being said by Brighton saying that nothing is happening. Then if they can keep that sort of mould together, then I, I think, again, um, good good season. Yeah, obviously it's not really ideal for any club going into the start of the season with the transfer window still being open and calls around or rumours around a player leaving. Cucurella was quite phenomenal for them last season, a real breakout performance. Links to City and Chelsea obviously won't help the squad, but from the way Potter has them set up, I imagine it's also the sort of thing that they can just all turn a blind eye to, focus on the job at hand and crack on and kind of let the business play out behind the scenes. Or on the other hand, you look at the money that is being thrown around with the potential signing of Cucurella and do Brighton turn that up? Perhaps it could be hard to turn down that sort of money, but 
they have been known to play hard to get before and they don't sell their players easily. And they have made some good money from uh, selling players on at the right time. Anyway, they have their first three fixtures of the season uh, against Man U, Newcastle and West Ham. For me, away at United under Ten Hag could be difficult, but I don't think that's a fixture they'll necessarily be putting three points next to in their planning. But they could go there and snatch something. Going and playing Newcastle then at home, I think that could be a really good game. Both teams, very, very strong at this point, will be probably tuning in to watch that. And then they're playing West Ham. That is Exactly. It's pretty much a guaranteed three points for Brighton at this point. They will be picking up points there at the London Stadium because West Ham just can never get a result against Brighton. Yeah, I think... Um, looking through all those three, I, th- I think certainly um, at least one result is, is definitely uh, there for the grabs. Um, and if they can get off to a similar style like they did last year, then uh, all the better. So sticking down near the south coast in this bizarre rivalry that they have, we've got Crystal Palace, who finished 12th last season. Possibly a really good start for Vieira last season. But some critics said that they didn't achieve much more than they did under Hodgson before him. They've made some good signings, I think, so far. The big loss will be, and the talking point will be, that they've lost Gallagher. But have they? I mean, was he always going to... The likelihood is that Gallagher was always going to go back to Chelsea. So I I think Vieira would have had that very much in his planning set up and would have looked to have developed the squad as much as he can for the upcoming campaign with Gallagher out. But it is hard to say that he won't be a loss. He scored a good amount of goals for them. He made a good number of assists. And for a number of games, he was their talisman. And at the moment, I don't really see them having replaced him in the transfer market. Um, Obviously, they've got Eze, who was out for a large part of last season, injured coming back, which will help the attacking force there. Whether Zaha can turn up for another season, that is, we'll wait and see. Elise, very strong going forward for them as well. But Gallagher's a loss. Gallagher is a loss. Yeah, I, I think Elise is is going to be huge. I think this year, I would definitely as one of the breakout stars. Even though he had a little bit of a, of a sort of breakout last year, I think very much this is his, his big year for him. Um, but you know, I I think it's very hard to say. You know, uh, against Vieira, um, whether or not he did a, a sort of poor job last year in comparison to what Hodgson's done. He had a lot of um, players leaving and a lot to deal with at Palace for an aging squad that it was under Hodgson for him to have put in a 12th place finish for last year, I think is fantastic. And with the sort of younger players that are coming through, like Elise, you've got Eze there. I I think, again, um, very much um, a positive campaign for Palace. And when Selhurst Park is rocking, there is arguably no tougher place to play. No, and I do I do get what you say about Vieira. They did have to clear out a lot of Deadwood. He did start off with a young squad. Well, he tried developing the young players that he did have to build a squad around them, and he did do a good job of that. Gehi, obviously one of those standout performers last season, getting him from Chelsea. They've also got the likes of Tyrek Mitchell, another really good young player for them. And the additions of uh, Chris Richards from Bayern Munich, I think is a really good addition for them. Uh, quite a young player. Um, I don't know much about Sheikh Ducore, who they've brought in, but 
solidifying that central midfield, I think, is um, a good idea. Now they've let go of Kuyate, who I think did come with a lot of Premier League experience, even though he was moved into centre-back for a fair bit last season at times. Yep, completely agree. Uh, Sam Johnson, also from West Brom. Yes. Um, that is a very solid sign in, uh, in, in goal between the sticks. Maybe a little bit to prove, considering that, you know, he's been at West Brom for a, t- in a while now and has been back and forth between Premier League and, and Championship, but uh, um, a solid keeper who has uh, at times been England's number three. Yeah, I think that is a good addition between the sticks. Obviously, they do have Gaeta as well, who's already there and performed really well last season. So I think between those two, they've got some good keepers to pick between for a team of Palace's kind of stature. And their first three fixtures, not the nicest of fixtures. They've been dealt a bit of a rough hand here. Although inviting Arsenal to Selhurst Park on the first game of the season, I think that's quite interesting. I, I think potentially a slip up there for Arsenal going to Palace um, moving on to their next fixture Liverpool Liverpool go into the season looking very strong um, coming off a good performance in the Community Shield so but Palace in history have been a little bit of a bogey team for Liverpool so there could potentially be a little bit of a slip up there and then Villa a clash of two probably mid-table sides we'd say I can't uh, see maybe, maybe anything other than the draw there I can see that going either way, to be honest, between Villa and Palace. As you said, teams of similar stature, both squads on a reasonably similar level. Maybe at this point, Villa have done a little bit better business so far, but we'll wait and see. But I think within their first three fixtures, they can pick up that first win that every manager and team is looking for. Yeah, exactly. Or conversely, I think it could potentially be a bit of a slow start looking at that fixture list. But who knows? And now moving on to a team that, unfortunately, I'm happy saying a lot of bad things about, particularly after last season. Everton, finishing 16th last season. And wow, the last few seasons, they've really shown how not to manage a football team. Do you think they can make improvements going into this new season, Tom? Um, I mean, looking on the front of it, no. I'm very surprised at what Everton have, or in other words, haven't done. Um, so far in this window last season should have been a major wake-up call for them and I just can't see uh, Tarkovsky is good signing um, he's a solid pre- uh, Premier League uh, centre-back Dwight Manil again solid Premier League player but uh, meh is all I can say about Everton uh, you're about as resoundingly positive as the blue half of Merseyside I think I'm not yeah. sure I'm, I'll be happily proven wrong, but I don't think there's a great amount of positivity going into this season. Not the preseason fixtures are really to be looked at, but they haven't done anything special. Their business the last couple of windows has left them wanting. Deli Alley, really bizarre signing, in my opinion, with the amount of money that's gone on there. Um, as you said, Tarkovsky, once again, solid, solid Premier League centre-back. I think Keane at the back there was maybe quite ropey last season. So throwing Tarkovsky in as a bit of competition, really good. Dwight McNeil, I know there were a few clubs linked with him, but I don't think he adds a huge amount. And particularly if they're trying to fill the gap that Richarlison's left, like 52 million to Spurs. God, Everton need that money, but they're going to miss him quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, the news about Calvert-Lewin, is uh, not going to help Frank's case anymore either. Uh, potentially looking at a month out 
a month. Um, a month. So that's going to be what at least the first sort of four, maybe five games. Wow, that um, is a that big could ask be, there. Yeah, yeah. Frank is um, he's he's going to need to pull something out of the bag. I think here, you know, he's got a lot of credentials, um, and I think he's a good coach. But for him to be to try and prove that he is a Premier League sort of level manager, he needs to get it done straight away. If he doesn't get the first results sort of under his belt, then those Everton fans are going to be right on top of him, I think. I do think it's very early to say, but out of all the managers currently in their position, I think a couple of bad fixtures, and he's the one closest to uh, closest to going because 16th is not good enough. Most people will say that about Everton, given the size and the history of the club. I know that it doesn't mean everything, but 16th, and it wasn't a comfy 16th, it was very much towards the back end of the season. Last one or two games was the only thing that kept them up there. You would say they need to spend money, but Everton don't spend money well. They don't spend money well, and they also have the new stadium coming along, which is going to look fantastic, but it's not going to look fantastic if they play in the Championship. And they don't have the squad, I think, right now to at least get the nightmare from last season away and sort of and under the covers sort of thing. They can expect them to have a very sort of similar season. My opinion at the moment of Everton is they survived by there being three worst teams, like last season. There were four worst teams than them last season, but they're really relying on other people to be bad rather than be excellent. I'll happily be proven wrong, but at this point, I don't see anything special from them. And anything above 15th will be, frankly, a miracle at this point. Yep, nothing inspires me about that Everton side. You know, I think they have a natural leader in Jordan Pickford, but he's England's number one. How long can you sort of keep him there? Because, you know, he is a, a great keeper, but whether or not they can keep him interested to remain at the club, Leicester might be looking for a new keeper right now, with Michael going out. And looking at the first three fixtures, you've got Chelsea, very difficult. Villa, Stevie's going to want to get something over on Everton, absolutely. And Forrest. Forest will want to get off to a fantastic start on the Prem. So I think a very difficult start. And if they continue as they did last season, nil point. I'm struggling to find a reason to disagree. And with two of their big hitters from last season, either left or injured, with Calvert-Lewin possibly being out for a month, that leaves a lot on the shoulders of Anthony Gordon. I guess they do have some injuries from last season coming back with the likes of Andros Townsend coming back fit. And still, there's not a lot to go on. No, absolutely not. Exactly. Uh, I think, you know, if sitting on the blue half of Merseyside right now, I think, again, what's been going on during the off-season just doesn't inspire me whatsoever. I think the only thing they probably have to look forward to is just the new stadium coming along. If they get off to a poor start, I think Everton fans are going to start worrying again about their prospects. Let's see how they do your first game of the season. Um, home to Chelsea. Always an easy one. And moving on to the championship champions from last season, Fulham, of course, with Norwich going down, it's their birthright for Fulham to get promoted. So they're back in the Premier League. Marco Silva back again after his stints with Everton and Hull. Do you think he can keep them up? It almost seems like their fate is to go down again. Yeah, it's that old old adage of um, when Norwich go down, Fulham come up, when Fulham go down, Norwich come up. So is this the year, whether or not they sort of get out of that cycle? I'm not sure. 
but I think there's more signs that they can do it this year than there was last year. I think Marco Silva is a good manager, um, and he's definitely got that team playing. Um, they played out of their skin last year in the championship. You have got Mitrovic, who scored about a gazillion goals. And whether or not you can take that into the Premier League, that's always been the case, I think, with him. Uh, first off at Newcastle and then to Fulham. Who knows? Uh, I, I, I think Fulham can surprise a lot of people this year. Is a gazillion goals for Mitrovic a stat provided by Opta, just for clarity? Um, Opta Joe has provided that stat. Good. Nice to hear that we've already got those connections. Um, I think, once again, Fulham, history of not necessarily signing the right players at the right time. But, to be honest, they've made some good signings so far. I think Andreas Pereira hasn't necessarily done it for United, but I think is a good steal for the money they've paid for him. Mbabu from Wolfsburg, when I've seen him play for Switzerland, he has been good. And, to be honest, the deal that's just been confirmed today, as we're recording... Leno from Arsenal. That is a Solid really keeper. good addition. I think they last time we were in the Premier League, they had Ariola from PSG on loan. And bringing in Leno on a permanent, that is business. It's true, Simon. Yeah, I, I like that move a lot. Leno was a little bit unfortunate just with the um sort of the uh, the rise of Ramsdale last year into Arsenal's um starting eleven, but I think, you know. He's proven to be a really shrewd keeper in, in the Premier League level and has sort of adapted to the to English football very well, I think. Really good number one, I think, between the sticks for Fulham. I'm not sure on any of the other players. I think looking on the outgoings, Carvalho, who is an absolute um, sort of little talisman uh, playing through the centre of the park for Fulham last year, moving to Liverpool, £8 million in the uh, rumoured fee, which is good money, but uh, we'll see what he does. And looking oh. at their first three fixtures, Liverpool, Wolves, Brentford, if Mitrovic is scoring, they could get some points there. Yeah. Fulham was a little bit of a bogey side for us um, during the COVID hit season a couple of years ago. They came to, to Liverpool, they came to Anfield and got results. So you never know. I still think we should be looking for a good start. So I'd, I'd like to think that, or from a Fulham perspective, I, I can't necessarily see them getting points out of there. Then you move on to Wolves. Uh, Wolves. I, I think there's points available for them, you know. We move on to Wolves a little bit later on in the show, but I think there's definitely the op- the opportunity there for um, for at least some points. That new stand, it will sort of more complete uh, Craven Cottage, get more fans in. I think could always be potentially a bit of a slip-up. Um, we've not always played well in the past at Craven Cottage, so there is the potential there. If I was a Fulham fan, I'd be getting right behind the team for that first game of the season, as you should. And then going on to the last of those first three fixtures, Brentford, from a team that came up last year, comparison to a team that came up this year, who knows in that result. So I I think Fulham can expect something out of those first three fixtures. And we've covered one of last season's lucky survivors with Everton and moving on to last season's 17th placed Leeds United. Under Jesse Marsh's management, they got rid of Bielsa partway through last season. Quite a controversial move. And now they've bought in the American. But it's been a busy window for them. But two big departures. Yeah, Rafinha and Phillips leaving this year is going to be a huge loss for them. However, looking at 90 million quid's worth of uh, incomings, they're going to need to spend that well. I've heard good things about Aronson, to be honest, from Salzburg, but 30 million on a player that's not played in the Premier League is quite a fee. But they do need to add to that strike force with 
inconsistent or injured Bamford and losing then losing Rafinha, who was their main man last season going forward, they do really need to pray that they can get some more goals. Yeah, they're going to need more goals this year. Um, Bamford, I think, is going to be a huge... He was injured for a lot of last year in comparison to... What was it the season before? Was it 19? It was definitely the teens, the high teens, I think, last year. Yeah. Going to be a big season for young Joe Gelhart, I think. He's going to need to get off to a good start because there's a lot of expectation for him this year. When he showed a little bit of promise last season, 20 appearances... Just the two goals, though. But he's going to, I think, play a, a bit of a, a role in Jesse March's um, front line in the season ongoing. Gilhart did produce the most magical assist of last season, in all fairness to them, to keep them in the Premier League. Two goals, not much, but first season in the Premier League, not everyone delivers. And I think oh. you're right about Bamford. Hopefully for Leeds, he'll stay fit for more of the season. His main contribution, unfortunately, last season was scoring and then injuring himself during the celebration. So... I don't, think many, I don't think many Leeds fans were cheering that. And hopefully this season they'll have a better start than they did last season under Bielsa. Obviously absolutely adored by pretty much all Leeds fans, but he, in the end, was dragging them closer to relegation than he was um, staying in the league. So let's hope Marsh, with a full season ahead of him, with a full pre-season behind him, um, can produce something for that Leeds United team. First three fixtures, Wolves, Southampton, Chelsea. You know what? They're not the worst fixtures you could want as a uh, as a Leeds fan. First game of the no. season at home to Wolves. You'd fancy them for three points, right? You'd definitely fancy them for three points. There's definitely the opportunity for them to get three points. Wolves, not the strongest right now. Southampton, again, you one of those teams you just never know. And Chelsea, Leeds, if they go, even though it's still Jesse March's team, if they go full Bielsa style and just attack, 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 um, again, it's one of those you never know. I'm not saying by any of the slices that they're going to get nine points, but like you said, I think they couldn't have asked for an easier start or a, a kinder start, let's put it that way, to uh, the third season in, in the Premier League. And I think that's the thing that's most alarming. Looking at partway through last season, you didn't think they were going to get a third in the Premier League back to no, back. Absolutely back. not. But they're here, and I think. Maybe a couple more players through the door, try and support that midfield a bit more with Phillips departing. And you know what? I think Leeds fans have have some reasons to be quite positive about the season. We now have Leicester City, the only member of the other 14 to have lifted the Premier League trophy. So our hats off go to you. Once again, another strong finish. Eighth last season with Leicester. Might have felt a little bit unlucky to not have finished in even the Conference League positions. They did have a bit of drop-off towards the end of the season. Um, I think eighth was good for them. Do you think they can match that this season, looking at what they've done so far? I think eighth was a good result for them, but I wasn't expecting them to be that high at all last year, considering how sort of inconsistent they were. They never seemed to get on a run uh, last year and for them to finish eighth I think is a great result but that's probably more of the as a result of other teams just sort of dropping out of, of the race the likes of the Brightons the likes of uh, Villas who at one point were up into sort of like the top top 10 um, and sort of falling away looking at what they've done I'm not seeing a lot have they actually made a signing from what I've seen so far I don't think they've bought any 
anyone in, at least not any headline grabbing um, signing so far. Um, no. I think the biggest thing for them is their departures. Schmeichel gone down Huge. to the south of France to enjoy the rest of his career. That that is a departure. I'm, yeah, as a obviously a, a non Leicester fan, I was um, I was not expecting that departure at all. Someone who's been a mainstay eleven years at Leicester has seen him through the leagues and has seen them through absolute fairy tales of lifting the Premier League and then sort of adding them the sort of adding to his sort of CV playing in Champions League uh, and now sort of lifting the FA Cup. It's been a bit of a roller coaster for Casper Schmeichel and he will always go down as a Leicester legend and a Premier League legend. But I, I that's gonna be a huge miss for Leicester, I think. You know, he is a leader there in that side. Who do they bring in as keeper? I think, as you mentioned earlier, Brendan Rodgers doesn't have, doesn't have to look too much further than Jordan Pickford. I think Pickford's got what they need. He's a character. He's loud. He can direct his defence. And they do need a personality to fill that void that Schmeichel's left because he was absolutely instrumental in everything they achieved. He, You could tell he had the respect from all the players and he was an absolute voice in that dressing room. Pickford seems like an easy option, to be honest, whether they can pry him away from Everton. Um, I think that's difficult. Yeah, that bit is difficult. I give you that. But they do need to produce something. I think they're two, I'd say, backup keepers. I don't think have many Premier League appearances between them because Schmeichel has been so consistent over the seasons that they've been up in the Premier League. And I think Schmeichel moving on is a kind of a sign of the times for Leicester at the moment. Obviously, once again, finishing eighth last season was really good for them. But then they are relying each season on Vardy to do a lot of business up front. I know that they have got Ian Acho, they have got Daka, they got, have got Ayozi Perez, who do put in some performances. But can they rely on Vardy, who is well past his 30s now, to keep producing? Yeah, I think that's going to be difficult. Um, Ian Acho at times can look like a really well uh, balanced and solid Premier League striker and other times can look a little bit like as if he doesn't belong. Um, Pats and Daka came in last year, scored plenty of goals in Europe. Whether or not, I can't really remember him too much about his goal scoring records in the Premier League. I, I can't, don't, I don't I, think it was outstanding. I don't think it was anything to write home about. Exactly. They have also uh, Harvey Barnes, who had, a, again, a bit of a, a breakout year last year. Um, I think could be looking uh, again for a really strong campaign. Pereira and Justin, two good signings that Brendan Rodgers made to bring into that Leicester side. There's still time left in the window with Schmeichel going out. I, I don't know if there's a fee attached to that or that was a free transfer. Um, I didn't read anything of significance with regards to a fee. So I'm thinking... I, I don't anything, think it's much, yeah. No, I don't think so either. Their owners have always been willing to sign uh, and spend money, especially being sort of higher up the table in their success over the last couple of years. So I, I think if there's still time left in the window, if they can bring a couple of players in, I think they're looking for a solid season. Yeah, I do think they need to make a couple of signings. As you said, goalkeeper. I think rumours around Tielemans aren't ideal because he's been an absolute rock for them. And then they've got Fafana, who was horrendously injured at the start of last uh, season in pre a pre-season fixture. He's back, but obviously now being linked with a move away to the likes of Chelsea. 
hopefully he can stay because I do think they need him in defence um, because I don't think Soyuncu or Vestergaard are the best. They're good, but I think they could do with an addition to that, particularly with an ageing Johnny Evans in centre-back as well. They could probably do with the young Fafana having a really good season for them. Yep, completely agree. And Leicester are starting off their season at home to Brentford. King Power, they'll always get behind their team. Brentford, a team from last season who did well, but I think Brendan would be hoping for the full three points there. Then visiting the Emirates, that not so much, might not be a strong fixture for them. And then Southampton, I think, well, you never know with Southampton. You might end up you might end up winning nine nil. Brentford's I I think, yeah, Arsenal, Southampton looking at all, I, I think they can expect at least one or maybe even two results out of that. If they can get off to a good start, I think considering how inconsistent they were last year, a good start is definitely needed for Leicester to just get them on the way. So moving further up the country to the northeast, Newcastle, 11th place last season. What a turnaround under Eddie Howe. Obviously, they do have some strong backers coming in and did help them improve the squad in the January transfer window, which did coincide with the strong turnaround of fixtures. They haven't been shy in spending the money so far, but I think they've spent it quite well. I think spend wisely. Nick Pope coming in for 10 million. Nick Pope was always going to leave Burnley. He's too good of a keeper to be um, in the championship. Matt Target, left back, solid Premier League left back. Ben Botman from Lille, um, 33 mil. Again, it, it's really good spending, obviously, with the new new owners uh, coming into the club. Newcastle last year started off, obviously, it seems ages ago that it was Steve Bruce in charge uh, for Newcastle. They started off poorly, and then there was the whole whether or not, you know, there were, I think there were definitely definite candidates for relegation, and obviously a bit of a cheat code uh, coming in with the Saudi money has definitely got them out of trouble. And if they follow a similar sort of pattern um, or model that Manchester City used when they became sort of heavily invested in, that climb is not going to be immediate, but there's going to be definite progression, I think, this year for, for Newcastle. Yeah, I think they're going to be surely knocking around 7th, 8th, ninth, that kind of position at a minimum. Yeah. Their form at the end of last season was electric. They were one of the most informed teams apart from maybe Liverpool and City. And once again, some good additions so far to the team. I think maybe addition of a striker might be good for them with the inconsistent, um, well, not inconsistent form, but Callum Wilson's in quite injury yeah. prone. They could probably do with someone supporting his goals. Obviously, brought in their Brazilian man from Leon in the middle of last season, who did seem to help them in midfield. But they do seem to be linked to pretty much every Premier League player. So. Yeah. You don't know. They could sign five players between now and the end of the season. We raise our eyebrows at all of them going like, wow, he went to Newcastle. Exactly. I think everything's on the table for Newcastle in terms of incoming. So um, uh, watch this space, really. You can't always rely on Joel Linton and Almiron to, to grab your goals. They've, they've, they've come in uh, from previous sort of uh, regimes and not particularly hit the ground running. And there's been a lot of frustration from Newcastle supporters about their sort of goal scoring records. So I think there's the definite looks, hopefully, uh, from a Newcastle fans perspective, that they will get some replacements in uh, for them. Because I, I don't think they're going to be at Newcastle in the future for or for the long term. 
I agree with you on Almiron. I think he came in from the States in the MLS, so he was scoring loads over there. He's been good, high energy, not necessarily the end product. But the one player I would disagree with you about is Jolinton. I think Eddie Howe's done a very good job of converting him into more of a midfield player. He played very well box to box at times when I saw him last season. He might not be the goal scorer that they signed him for and to be, but I think he's adopted a new role now and he's pretty strong with that. Fair enough. And their first three fixtures, first game, home to Forest. Every Premier League manager is going, oh, we want three points against a newly promoted side. I think at home with St. James's Park behind them, it's going to be hard not to see three points from this team, particularly if they're going to make more signings. No, not at all. You can see three points uh, for Newcastle there. But then again, Nottingham Forest, first game back in the Premier League. You never know. It's one of those where you can write down on paper that Newcastle can win, but it's always it's the Premier League factor. You just never know. Uh, that's why we love the league. Exactly. And then following that is a trip down to the south coast to Brighton. I'm happy to be corrected on this. I don't remember Newcastle's away form being particularly good last season. Obviously, it's hard to no, say. No, it wasn't. Obviously, a lot of that was under dear old Steve Bruce, and now it's the complete regime change. Eddie Howe was successful on the South Coast previously. Brighton will be a tough game. And then following that up with a game against the Premier League champions, I reckon they'll get at least three points out of these fixtures. Oh, 100%. I definitely think they should get be looking for at least three points from, from those fixtures, uh, whether or not they get them from individual fixtures or as a cumulative effort over the three games. I'm looking forward to that City game. I think as a sort of neutral between the two sides that even though City should be running away with that, there's a lot to be said about Newcastle and how they're going to perform this year. So I think a lot of teams should be wary of how Newcastle are going to play. I think that could be an exciting fixture very sort of early on in the, in the season. I very much agree. I think they will be, for a lot of people, although they are backed by a huge amount of money, I think they'll be a bit of a surprise team for most fans come the end of the season where they see where Newcastle are. So, Nottingham Forest, the championship playoff champions and winners, had a great day out at Wembley, but can they turn it into a season of success? I wouldn't say no. I think there's a lot to be said about Steve Cooper and what he'd done with that side last year. They were very much in the doldrums to start that championship campaign. When he came in, just complete difference with what, he's, uh, with what that team was. Rocketed up the championship, Ended up in the playoffs, potentially maybe ahead of the progression of what they were expecting. Might be too soon for them. But if they can keep that sort of energy about them, bouncing city grounds, Steve Cooper is a a fantastic coach, could have a good campaign. Uh, It could be one of those teams where it's their first season in the Premier League and they just have an absolute blinder. Obviously, I'm not comparing their styles of play, but it does have a bit of an air of Sheffield United when they came up. Good manager. Good good systems for that team. And then they've made some really good additions. I'm not only making the comparison with Sheffield United because they've got Dean Henderson. I think that's a fantastic signing. We were talking about Cash Michael replacements for Leicester. Dean Henderson would also be near the top of that list. But obviously he's uh, exactly. now tied into staying in Nottingham for the season. Other signings, Nico Williams, 18 million for good a player that's but for a player that's played minimal Premier League football? Played minimal Premier League football, had a really good campaign with Fulham in the Championship. I know it's not the same uh, as the Premier League level, but he, he played, he was one of the key components of Fulham's sort of running in the second half of the season when he got sent on loan via Liverpool. And 
he's had a terrific spell with with Wales in the internationals uh, of recent times. So um, good young player was a little bit in Trent's shadow, and now he's got his own sort of setup in another a brand new club. Got a chance to express himself. I think the world can only look up for um, for Nico Williams. And obviously, one of the bigger transfers, or at least the headline grabbing one, is the absolute coup of signing Jesse Lingard. Obviously, minimal football for United last season. Did get a couple of goals when he did play, but they got him on a free, a one-year deal. So they might not be making much money off of him. But free transfer, Jesse Lingard. That's business. Perfect player. Yeah, perfect player you want for the Premier League, I think. Coming up, he's going to get you goals. He's he's done it for United in the Premier League. He went to West Ham, scored loads of goals uh, on loan in that sort of half season that he had. He's guaranteed goal scorer for Forest. I think Steve Cooper will absolutely love having him in his side. He's clearly gone for him. And like you said, big coup. Surprised that he hasn't gone anywhere else. But uh, I think Forest have definitely pulled one out of the hat there uh, to bring him in. Um, and... When the new teams come up, amongst other things about having potential leaky defences and things like that, the one thing that most teams coming up will struggle with is getting goals. And Lingard can pretty much guarantee, he won't score all the goals, obviously, but he can guarantee you at least some. Yeah, I think great addition to the attacking line. He is fast, he is skillful. He does add definitely a dynamic that they don't have currently in their team, at least not at the Premier League level. And for some reason, out of all the promoted teams, I fancy Forest most to stay up. I think they have a certain squad unity and they're a big team. Like, I'm not saying Bournemouth and Fulham aren't, but if you compare Forest's backing and support compared to those two, you reckon that ground is going to get them a, quite a lot of points just by itself. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah, looking at the three that come up, Bournemouth, Fulham and, and Forest. We mentioned Bournemouth at the start, not expecting too much out of them will probably be relegation uh, fodder, uh, sorry to say. Fulham are in this eternal struggle of going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So, like we said earlier, can't see much more. And uh, Forest, yeah, like you said, uh, bouncing city grounds. It's in a very sort of sports crazy city. You know, Trent Bridge is right across um, across the way. And obviously, you've got the council ground right next door. It's a huge sort of sports centre around that area, around the Trent. And lots of them go mad for their sports. If they can get right behind the team, which I am absolutely sure that they will, who knows what could be in store for Nottingham Forest this year. I'm not prepared to write them off and put them in bottom three at all. I think... Absolutely. I think there's a good chance they'll stay up. As you say, Steve Cooper, really good coach, made some good additions so far. Still got a couple of weeks left. I'm sure they could bring in one or two more just to bolster that squad. Maybe add a tad more Premier League experience, but Dean Henderson between the sticks, Lingard going forward, that is some good business. Although um, you've spotted a rumour for a player into Forest with uh, quite a amusing name. Cheers, Horncamp. Yes, you heard that right. Jiz Hornkamp. Do you have much else to tell me about him other than he has a name which you probably wouldn't be keen to get printed on the back of a shirt? Uh, spot on. Coming from uh, Willem from the uh, from the Dutch leagues, I don't know much about him apart from the fact that, you know, neutrals will absolutely love the name. I don't see the Forest fans maybe throwing his first name into a chant, though. I think that might be a little out of their comfortable Well, remit. I don't, you know, the bouncing city ground when you know, the drinks are flowing... Um, you never know. Yeah, they might just Although, be absolutely yeah. gagging for more Hornkamp. Yep, yeah, chance about jeers. Maybe not. <laughs> anyway, first three fixtures. I'll be honest, not that ugly. 
in the grand scheme of things, they've managed to stay within the other 14 with those fixtures. Newcastle and West Ham, probably on the stronger end of the other 14, but Everton, definitely on the weaker end. It could yeah. be quite good for them. Looking at the start, Newcastle, West Ham, Everton, like I said, a fair start for them. Whoever comes up with the uh, fixture list uh, for the campaign, I'm surprised hasn't put, you know, Forrest coming up with the history, Brian Clough, two, two European Cups, you know, one of the first games being like a United or a Liverpool, but then again, you've got to play them at some point on the season anyway. So, yeah, uh, Newcastle, I think, would be looking to get off to a good start. So maybe not there. West Ham, again, looking for a good start. But yeah. Everton, certainly, I think. We're not trying to go after Everton here, but we're just not sure on what the hell their plan is there. So I, yeah. I still think Forrest, with their early season sort of, sort of buzz about being back in the Premier League, certainly, I think, can at least look at one result there. Yeah, I think their first home game is that game against West Ham. They will be buzzing to be back in the Premier League after quite a long stint not being in the top flight. And you know what? Who knows what can happen? And uh, Jesse Lingard playing against one of his former teams is almost nailed on to score. So I think it could be a really good fixture. And it's been selected as one of the televised fixtures as well. So the cameras will be down there and I'm sure the players will be absolutely up for it knowing that they're playing one of the stronger teams in the league. And Ralph Hassan Hootel Southampton finished 15th last season, started off well last season, dropped off quite significantly, obviously quite partial to a 9-0 loss. Will it happen this season? Well, did it happen last year? It didn't, did it? Oh, but they did lose by seven to Chelsea. But it wasn't nine. It wasn't nine, you're right. So at least there's something, at least they're reducing their sort of horrendous fixture by two goals this year. So maybe a 5 nil is in store? Who knows? Well, Spurs' first game of the season. If uh, if that Spurs. Spurs front line are firing, it could be five. It could be five. Yeah. Uh, uh, Southampton, uh, one of those, what I'd call like a nice team, get good support on the South Coast. Ralph Hasenhurtel is, um, you know, clearly a very infectious manager. He gets uh, a lot of love from the South uh, Southampton supporters. Occasional when things do go wrong, they do go after him a little bit. But I think, you know, he's a really charismatic manager. But it's just whether or not they can actually get things going this year. Looking at their, their sort of workings on uh, transfers this year, Brozier sort of obviously not staying. Uh, he's gone back uh, back to Chelsea. Scored a good number of goals for them the, uh, last campaign. Um, I think he's going to be a miss. Where do they get their goals? I think that is a big question. They bought in uh, a player who I know nothing about, a guy called Mara, Mara, who knows, from Bordeaux. He's a forward, maybe from him, but otherwise their front line, you wouldn't say he's bolstered with talent. They have got Nathan Redmond and, God, it sounds bad, but I couldn't really name anyone else that's particularly dangerous to Southampton. Other than they do have their captain and main man, James Ward-Prowse, who, let's be honest, you wouldn't want him on a free kick inside 30 yards if you're a defending team. No, exactly. The uh, fantastic uh, free kick taker. I'm sort of half surprised that he's still at the club considering um, sort of Southampton's history of uh, bringing through sort of great quality uh, individual players and then sort of losing him to Liverpool. But, you know, he's club captain, huge for that side. If he can stay, fantastic. Uh, looking who have they bought in. Shay Adams up front, grabbed in a couple of goals last year. He really needs to perform. That is, he really That's needs to turn it on. 
because he wasn't the cheapest of signings either. No, no, not, not at all. They do have Joe Aribo coming from um, from Rangers from the midfield, scored a couple of, uh, well, yeah, had a, had a good, decent record, I think, for Rangers up in the Scottish uh, Premier League. But it's that conversion over to the Premier League, whether or not he can make that step up. Um, you know, it was a bit of a talisman um, for Rangers when he was up there. Uh, one of the players that um, Jared brought in, surprised that Villa didn't, didn't go after him. But yeah, he's, he's at the South Coast now and whether or not he can get up to a good start. I, I think they've got a squad that could do with some work. They've still got some time left in the transfer window, but if not to secure safety, they're going to rely a lot on Hassan Hootel's magic to keep them going because their drop-off last season was quite significant. And as you said earlier, they're a nice team. Nobody fears them. Five points from safety last season. It's asking a lot to keep them up again this season. It is. And if it doesn't go well to start the season, if we're looking at sort of candidates for manual sackings, I unfortunately I don't think you can look too far beyond Hassan's at all. Even though he's been at the club now for you know what is about four, four, four or five years now. I think it's probably about four uh, off the top of my head. So long life expectancy really in terms of a Premier League manager and the amount of sort of horrendous performances that that team has put in. It's kind of surprising that he's still there. But they're obviously giving him time. So, again, I think it's a big season for for Southampton, absolutely. Yeah, and, well, nice way to start it as well. Playing playing Spurs on the first game of the season, following that up with the fixture against Leeds and then Leicester. So, in all fairness, both Southampton and Leicester, both teams that could probably do with a bit of uh, more spending in the transfer window. Um, But that Spurs team will probably be quite a hard team to overcome for Southampton. I really hope that they do it, but... It's asking a lot first game of the season. So, yeah, it's going to be tricky for Southampton. Um, could potentially be a bit of a banana skin at Leeds. You never know what Leeds are going to produce. You never know what Southampton are going to produce. But that's just the nature of these these two teams. And Leicester, like we said, uh, Leicester need to get off to a good start. I can expect them to get off to a good start uh, against Southampton. So, I'm unfortunately not looking... It's not looking too promising for Southampton with that start. They could potentially get a result against Leeds, but I think that's as much as they can really expect. Yeah, I think... Maybe scrape a win, maybe a draw, but it's it's not the best start for them. And it's I a think tricky start. It's a tricky start, and I think they could probably they just need to make a couple more signings because the ones that they have signed don't have a great deal of Premier League experience. No, absolutely. With our team that finished highest out of the other fourteen last season, West Ham, David Moyes seventh place European football again. There's been quite a few ins and outs. Can they keep that hold on their uh, title of champion of the other fourteen? Well, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them. I have been very impressed uh, with what I've seen from West Ham over the last couple of years. Moyes coming in for his second stint as manager of West Ham, and he's definitely got something going there. Looks like, obviously, you know more than I do about uh, the ins and outs of, of the West Ham squad, but from what of from an outsider looking in, made some decent signings. They've got out a little bit of the deadwood. And they're solidifying what is a good, solid Premier League squad. And I, I can only expect very sort of similar similar goings on for uh, West Ham this year. Europa League didn't seem to hamper them too much last year in terms of the progression through the league table. They still finished comfortably in the top half of the table. And, you know, seventh with the potential for nearly getting Europa League again. Europa Conference League now, you haven't got a... Are you straight into the group stages for that? Or are you... Um, into a qualifying round. So West Ham will have to play a qualifier. Um, the draw was made the other day. 
it's either against a team again from the Faroe Islands or Denmark. So neither team are ones that will probably keep Moyes awake at night. But it's a potential banana skin. But you'd like to think with their performance is in Europe last season that they should be absolutely fine with it. As you said, they've cleared out some of the deadwood. I don't think any fan will massively be crying over the departure of either Masuaku or Fredericks. Both have had their moments in the team. Yarmolenko, sad to see him go, particularly everything that's going on with uh, in Ukraine. And he did score some really good goals for West Ham at vital times. Um, and obviously the departure of club captain and legend Mark Noble. They've made good signings, though. The confirmation of Ariola getting changing his loan to a permanent for £8 million, I think is really good. Him and Fabianski fighting it out will be a good battle for them. Uh, signed Flynn Downs from Swansea. A bit of an unknown, but another player to strengthen that midfield. Aguerd from France, £31 million. Good amount of money to spend on a centre-back for the Moroccan. But... Unfortunately, he has uh, injured himself in pre-season, so won't be available for, I think, the first couple of weeks. And then a complete unknown to most, I would say most fans over here, Skamaka, uh, signed him from Sassuolo. 32 million is a good amount to pay for a striker, but they did need backup for Antonio. I think they the goals dried up a little bit for Mikel Antonio at the end of last season, bringing in another striker who... Although he's quite a tall guy, from what I understand, he's very good with his feet as well. So I think they've bolstered their squad so far where they need to. And as you said, the European campaign didn't really hamper them much last season. They've got another European campaign and I think they managed to get to the semi-final of the the Europa League last season. I bet the squad has got to be looking at winning that Conference League and producing a solid outing in the Premier League. That's the expectation from a West Ham uh, fans' perspective then? I would be surprised if David Moyes was saying anything different to his players. Yeah, yeah, quite um, well made. And news hot off the press, uh, potentially another incoming for West Ham, uh, uh, Maxwell Corner. Yeah, so as of recording, apparently a deal, um, a fee hasn't been agreed with Burnley. Apparently personal um, arrangements have also been agreed. And now it's just a case of going down to the medical. Um, the understanding is that um, we're recording on the 4th of August that Corne is doing his medical across this evening and uh, Friday morning. And you never, I don't know what the deadline is to register these players, but they've got City on Sunday, uh, first, first game of the season at home at the London Stadium. If they can get a signing in then, that'll give everyone a bit more of a buzz as well going into that game against the champions. Absolutely, completely agree. The sort of murmurings about Rice um, potentially going, that seems to have died a death now and he looks very much well set now being named as um, as club captain. It's been an ongoing saga, obviously the constant link to Chelsea and then to Manchester United at times. I think it's probably died a death now. I think um, the club have taken the strong opinion of you've got to throw a boatload of money at it, uh, at us to sign Rice or you're not even getting close to getting him. And I think that's been the case. He's been made club captain now. Everything that he said seems to be that he's committed to West Ham for the time being. He's got a couple of years on his contract. He was sensational for, la- for them last season, put in some really good uh, performances for England in Euros before that. Hopefully, with a full summer off, he would have rested, recharged, and he'll be back as strong as ever for West Ham. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And um, in terms of their fixtures, 
So first home game of the season uh, is to City and following that up with newly promoted away uh, newly promoted team Forest and then bogey team Brighton. It could be zero points from it all, but with this West Ham side, it could also be nine. Um, you don't really know from time to time. Yeah, I think City is a very difficult start for obvious reasons. Haaland uh, looking to make a uh, better name of himself than he did in the Community Shield. Uh, game the other day. Forest again looking to get off to a good start, but I I, I think got to be looking at your chances, uh, especially over Forest and Brighton. I know you said about the bogey side, but I, I think naturally there is these food, uh, football uh, superstitions uh, regarding bogey sides. But at the end of the day, it's a ninety-minute game of football, and things in the past don't necessarily mean. Uh, or going to transpire into what's going to happen on the field. So I think West Ham can look potentially, hopefully, I think, I, for your perspective, for potentially six points. You did beat City in the Cup last year. Penalty kicks. And it does mean nothing, but it's something. That is true. West Ham did break City's hold on the um, on the Carabao Cup by beating them uh, the first time they'd lost a game in Four years or five years. Four years, years, yeah. Something mad. But yeah, London Stadium, although first moving in, was still a bit of a contentious move and still is amongst lots of fans. When it's buzzing on big games, they do can beat big teams. They uh, they beat Liverpool at Ch- and Chelsea at home last season, beat City in the Cup. Um, they have beaten Tottenham and United in recent seasons as well. You just really never know. Oh, but... Overall for the season, I think David Moyes and his men, looking at the additions to the squad, I think fans have reasons to be really positive about the season coming up. Exactly, yeah. And finally, the last team we're going to cover today is Wolves. Strong outing last season, as they have been fairly consistently since their return to the Premier League. A 10th place finish under Bruno Lager. Some ins and outs and some injury news that might not mean the best start for Wolves this season. No, um, it, Wolves had a good campaign-ish sort of last year. You know, 10th is a really good finish for them. So sort of sustaining what they've done from the previous two seasons in the Prem. I think Bruno uh, Lag coming into into a uh, into the Premier League for the first time didn't do himself sort of any harm with um, his sort of capabilities as a manager, uh, replacing uh, Nuno Espirito Santo. Signings though, Nathan Collier's centre-back from Burnley for 21 mil shoring up that defence alongside Connor Cody, who is an absolute leader at the back for them, and Huang, um, who at times looked um, pretty impressive last year and went on a good goal-scoring run and was, you know, in many people's fantasy teams at, uh, at one point, but um, sort of died a little bit of uh, the way the end, towards the end of the season. So, yeah, I, I think maybe mid-table obscurity for Wolves again this year, but maybe towards the sort of lower end of mid-table. That's what I'm expecting potentially from Wolves this year. Yeah, I think you're probably right. A fair amount of players going out as well, uh, either permanent or on loan. The big ones being Fabio Silva, Trincao and Roman Sice. They're all gone. But as you say, bringing in Nathan Collins, young centre-back from Burnley to shore up their, their defence. And they're strong midfield uh, with Moutinho and Neves. And they've got likes of uh, Dendonka going forwards. They've got Podence. So 
securing that Huang permanent, I think, is a really good addition as well. Obviously, Jimenez being ruled out for the start of the season, not ideal for them. He looked good when he was fit last season, but obviously still out for fairly large portions of last season injured. But I think we can expect similar things from Wolves again. I think they've done enough uh, in terms of transfer window to maintain their position. I don't see them necessarily pushing for those bottom-end European positions like they did a couple of seasons ago, but I don't see them ever being in danger of relegation at all. One thing I did completely forget about, they do have Adama Traore coming back. Yes, of course, they do have Adama coming back. Um, Can be a real hit-or-miss player, though, in all fairness to him. He's got a lot of power, a lot of strength. End product is sometimes questionable. Yeah, those, uh, those biceps are going to need to be greased up as, as much as they can be this year, I think, uh, for Wolves, uh, for him to have uh, much of an impact. Um, he When he first sort of came on the scene uh, for Wolves, you know, explosive player is how I'd describe him. You know, absolute pace down that right-hand side can whip it across like anything. Uh, but then last year sort of petered out a little bit and was a little bit uninspiring at certain times last year. So, um, yeah, last year made sense for him to get a little bit of a low move and Barcelona is, you know, great place to play football. In terms of results, not great now, but yeah, at least that's some sort of different experience for him. And coming back into that Wolves, I think is uh, like a brand new signing, effectively. No, I think you're right. And they're starting off the uh, the season with Leeds, then Fulham and Spurs. So that Leeds game, always going to be challenged against Leeds, but I feel it's the sort of team that Wolves would thrive playing against. If Leeds are playing their high energy, high press, I do fancy them for that game. Although it is away at Elland Road, which is not an easy place to go. Then they second game, they're at home to Fulham, which you've got to think that's three points. Absolutely, yep. And then even going, so going down to Spurs for their third game, Wolves have a knack of getting some form of result against one of the big six at certain points in the year. Um, so I, I wouldn't put it past them to get a result against Spurs. Yeah, again, not a not a too much of a tricky start, I think, for Wolves, but I, I think they can uh, expect at least, I, I would say probably about probably four. I, I go for a four, four out of nine uh, for, that, uh, for that start. That is a strong start for them. So now we've gone through all of the other 14 teams and what we think their season's going to play out like. So based on our conversations, Tom, who do you think will be the top three performers out of the other 14? Looking at what we've discussed uh, in the show, I really don't think you can sort of look past Newcastle, West Ham and Leicester. I I think, you know, even though we have discussed about Leicester not uh, potentially sort of signing there there's still time left in the transfer window I still expect them to make at least a couple of signings to be brought in they've had some horrendous injury uh, issues over the last sort of couple of seasons uh, which sort of dampened uh, them a little bit but I expect them to have a little bit of a bounce back season this year so uh, yeah I don't think you can really look sort of beyond sort of Newcastle West Ham and Leicester I agree with you uh, on two thirds of those I think Newcastle they're going to spend money they've already signed some good players I think they'll be there West Ham They've just turned into a consistent side that seemed to always be up there. European football um, didn't seem to phase them last time. Water off a duck's back. And then I'm going Brighton purely on the grounds that Leicester haven't signed anyone yet. I do think Leicester will be up there. But if they were to stay the same and not sign anyone else, I think they've got a thin squad, as you say, often hit with injuries. While I think Brighton, they've got the Graham Potter factor who seems to be able to work miracles with a very shoestring budget. I agree. I think, obviously, with two-thirds of those, Brighton, I don't think you're too far out with Brighton. I think they'll have an impressive campaign. 
uh, much the same as what they had last year. Just rides on the fact that whether or not the, the managerial sacking starts, whether Potter is going to be remaining at the club. But if, if all that being said, and he sort of stays for the for the remainder of the season, then I, I think yeah, um, it should be a, a solid season for Brighton and uh, yeah, a, a fun season on the south coast. Nice. And for those teams having a not so fun season. Who do you think will be making that dreaded drop into uh, the championship um, come May? Also, conversely, not a fun season on the South Coast uh, in regards to probably Bournemouth, unfortunately. I can't see Fulham breaking out of their sort of eternal cycle of being back and forth between the Premier League and the championship, even though I do like Marco Silva as a manager and Fulham generally as a club. And then probably also Southampton. I just can't see them continuing this onward cycle of being poor escaping and getting sort of roughly saved towards the back end of the season I think we've seen it uh, in previous years with other teams such as Stoke for example where as you gradually get lower and lower down the table things then start to escalate into more trouble with relegation so I I think Southampton, uh, Fulham and Bournemouth are my three to go down and I'm going to find it hard to disagree with you I think Fulham's is contingent on where Norwich finish in the championship because they've got a uh, they've got that relationship going on. Southampton, yeah, as you say, downward spiral, trying to be the cyclical, keep going, keep going, keep going. It didn't work for Stoke. Eventually, didn't work for um, for Burnley. They faced the drop, and unless there's serious change in terms of additions to the squad at Southampton, I see them facing the same fate. And Bournemouth, I just don't think their squad is good enough to compete at this level. The one side note I would like to make is that if Frank Lampard stays as manager for Everton for all 38 games of the season, they will be in the championship this time next season. But you do have to think if they get off to a poor start, he is the first to go. Completely agree. Yeah, we have uh, had a little bit of a go at Everton uh, during the show uh, for obvious reasons, I think. But I think myself and Reese have sort of come across the uh, conclusion that it's Everton and we can't just... The, 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 trying to put through like a thought process of Everton actually going down is just, just unimaginable. They've been in the Premier League sort of since its inception. But like you said, if they just don't get off to a good start, it's going to be tough for... Everton fans to get behind Frank. He's not what I'd call a as a manager, as a player he was, but as as a manager, I just there's nothing that excites me about Frank Lampard. Yeah, I completely agree. He's doesn't seem to be a manager that would inspire players to go out and perform. Yeah. Of course, in an ideal world, the three relegated teams would not be any of the other 14 and would be some of uh, the other six that we don't like to talk about, but Realistically, it's going to be one of our three and we'll see how that pans out come May. I suppose it's time to wrap up. I'd like to say, Tom, thank you very much for joining me on this first episode of the Other 14 podcast. Thank you for having me on, Reese. It's, uh, yeah, it's been it's been good. Let's, let's see where this goes. Yeah, we will see where it goes. Um, going forward, we are looking at having guest appearances from fans from the Other 14 teams. Um, if that's something you're interested in, if you have an opinion that you want to share with other fans, you can contact us at the other 14 pod at gmail.com. That is the other one four pod at gmail.com. And you can contact us on Twitter as well at other 14 podcast. And that is a thank you from me. And it's a thank you from me as well for joining us on this first episode. Go well. <laughs>